Hi, I'm your host, Lillian Yang. And I'm your host, Thackeray Shafai. And you are listening to Food Nonfiction, the incredible true stories behind food. This is the incredible true story of Hershey, Pennsylvania, the model town built by the founder of the Hershey Company. And to tell the story, we called up Hershey's archivist, Pam Whitenack. My name is Pam Whitenack. I'm the director of the Hershey, Pennsylvania Community Archives. You see, many years ago, the Hershey Company realized that they needed to save and organize Hershey's records so that the story of the company's past would not be lost. One of the problems with Hershey's records was that they were being misplaced. Because Milton Hershey relied on a small group of people to help him oversee the business, some of these people worked in multiple positions. For example, the treasurer of the chocolate company could also be the president of the bank. So this core group of people had offices in different buildings, but they still tended to do their different jobs out of only one office, which meant the records got intermingled. So they started an archive and they hired Pam. So I came as a young 20-something. Back in 1985, I had a master's in American history with additional training in archival management. And it was really exciting. It was starting an archives from scratch. It was, you know, making discoveries of records that had been tucked away in various buildings and creating systems to provide access and just, you know, growing the archives over, you know, the last 30 years. Can you tell me about who Milton Hershey was and why he founded the community of Hershey, Pennsylvania? I can really talk literally for hours about Milton Hershey, um, but the short story is he was a um, successful confectioner that after he developed a formula for Hershey's milk chocolate, the product quickly became very successful and he needed to build a new factory because his business was growing so rapidly. Milton Hershey found the perfect place to build his new factory in Derry Township, where he was born. The place was perfect because there was lots of land and many dairy farms from which he could get milk to make milk chocolate. In 1903, construction began for an enormous new candy factory. At the same time the factory was being built, Milton was working on plans to create a model community in the area. Because the factory was built in a rural area, he knew that his employees would need a place to live, schools for their kids, churches, parks, recreational facilities, and transportation. And since Milton believed that workers who were well-treated would work harder, he wanted to make a model community in the factory town. This community was called Hershey, and it's also known as the sweetest place on earth. Milton's model town was unlike other factory towns. He purposefully had buildings of various designs, he lined the streets with trees, and he built comfortable brick houses with manicured lawns for families. Can you describe the town? Like, what is the weather like? What do the streets look like? And what are the people like? Our street names are unusual. They Our main street is Chocolate Avenue, and then the main intersection street is Cocoa Avenue. All the other streets um, that were developed by Milton Hershey are named for regions in the world that are known for growing cocoa. So there's uh, Trinidad and Caracas, and uh, Granada, and Ceylon. 
So Hershey's pretty idyllic. One of the fun things is that our street lights along Chocolate Avenue are shaped like Hershey's Kisses. They alternate between being wrapped and unwrapped. Uh-huh. And the wrapped kiss lights have, um, you know, there's that little paper plume that you see with a wrapped Hershey's Kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the there's a facsimile of that paper plume on, you know, street lamp size, but it's a weather vane, so it spins. What's it like to live and raise your kids in Hershey? <laughs> well, my my boys, I have all boys, um, would say growing up in Hershey is like growing up in a chocolate bubble. When they were growing up, I don't think we locked our doors at night. My boys always walk to school. They walk to their sports. Generally, people who grow up here don't really appreciate, you know, the exceptional facilities that they have here or the exceptional opportunities they have here until you move away and you realize, oh, you know, the rest of the world isn't like this. It's kind of like a combination of the best parts of a city and the best parts of a town. It really is. My um, youngest is a junior in college, so he's still um, thinking that there's a better world out there. But um, and I'm sure. <laughs> but right now, I you know he's very or- oriented towards living in a city when he graduates. I've read that the town smells like chocolate. Is that true? Only on certain days. Hershey no longer takes raw cocoa beans and roasts and grinds them anymore. So only on like really rainy days does it smell like chocolate, but it does smell a lot like peanut butter because we're also home to the Reese uh, Peanut Butter Cup Factory. Hershey owns it today, but when it started back in 1923, it was just another confectionery company. One of the first pieces of infrastructure that Milton put in place was a trolley system which they began building even before the Hershey Chocolate Factory was completed in 1905. The trolley system connected Hershey, Pennsylvania to other areas. This meant that workers had the option of living outside of Hershey and commuting in on the trolley. As well as being an inexpensive transportation option for the workers, the trolley also transported milk to the factory for making milk chocolate. With the essential infrastructure in place, Milton worked on providing the community with recreational areas. In 1906, Hershey Park was founded. It was a park where people could have picnics, go boating, and enjoy the great outdoors. Over the years, many things were added to the park. A merry-go-round, an amphitheater, bowling alleys, a tennis court, a photography gallery, and even a train which people could ride around the park. It was called the Scenic Railroad. In 1912, a magnificent carousel was built. By 1945, there were over two dozen attractions at Hershey Park. Nowadays, it's called Hershey Park, one word instead of two, and it's a popular theme park. During the Great Depression, Milton launched his Great Building Campaign. It was during that time period that many of the venues that we still use today were constructed. Milton Hershey wanted to provide jobs and bolster the economy. At the same time, building during the Great Depression meant lower prices for building supplies and plenty of available workers. 
Several of the building projects that Milton started during the Great Depression had been planned years earlier. One of the structures built during the Great Building Campaign was the Hotel Hershey. It is a hilltop hotel overlooking the Hershey Chocolate Factory. The hotel's design was inspired by other hotels that Milton had visited while traveling, and it was built in one year. The project started in 1932, and the hotel celebrated its grand opening on May 26, 1933. Close to the hotel, the Hershey Gardens was opened in 1937. Back then, there were 7,000 roses and nothing else. Today, the garden features many different flowers, trees and shrubs, plus an award-winning rose garden. What do you do on the weekends? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I could do a lot of things. I might walk down to the Hershey Story, which is the museum. Um, it's located right on Chocolate Avenue. Um, and they've got a great cafe, the, the Pantry Cafe. And you know, I might get some coffee and you know, a bagel here. Um, there might be something going on downtown uh, that's part of our Life on Chocolate series. Oh, actually, I forgot that one of our favorite Saturday morning things to do is to go to the farmer's market. We have a farmer's market. Um, it's called Farmer's Market on Chocolate. When we were speaking to Pam, some of her colleagues were in the room with her. So I'm here with two of my colleagues who, one is a podcast junkie. She's already <laughs> signed up for your podcast. So we opened up the call to speakerphone and asked them to tell us what they thought about Hershey, Pennsylvania. Anthony, tell me, Anthony, you listen to your moment. Here we go. I'm going to put you on speaker. All right. So I have an answer. Yes, Lillian. Hi, Lillian. Hi, Anthony. Well, I, my name's Anthony Hobart, H-A-U-B-E-R-T, and I'm the PR and communications specialist. I grew up about 50 miles away. And my childhood was like halfway through the 70s and through the early 80s. So one of the things that I remember is I think it was the first time I went to Hershey Park. And it was somewhere in the mid-70s. And like I could not sleep at all. You know, it was just this magical place that you went to. You know, you went to Chocolate World and rode all the rides. I've been working for the foundation now for almost three years. There's nowhere you can turn in the town of Hershey where there isn't some sort of history that obviously goes all the way back to Milton Hershey. You know, decisions that are made today in 2016 are still based on legacy. You know, that famous phrase, what would Jesus do? What would Milton Hershey do? <laughs> you know? They so, really do that. There, you know when there were those little wristbands that, you know, had the, what is it, WWJD? Someone made up WWMD. What would Milton do? <laughs> I need one of those. It is, it is amazing, and it's just, you know, it's not... It's, it's, a, it's a true um, a sentiment. It's not an artificial sentiment. It's not something that, you know, the corporate heads just do because, you know, they work for Hershey I think it really is in the minds and forefronts of 
uh, not only the employees who work here and the people who lead the organizations that Milton Hershey created, but also, you know, the people who live here. People are not cynical. They're very honest and very, they really embrace this. They really value the fact that Milton Hershey created this. It's it's really, it's, you know, I grew up on Long Island, you know, so in the shadows of New York City, and it's, it's refreshing. People are not jaded here. People are just very excited and, you know, they, they think Milton Hershey's wonderful and, you know, the worst thing you can do is to, you know, do something that, you know, you might feel is something that Milton Hershey would never do. That was like the biggest criticism you can offer. I really wanted to get a genuine sense of the town and what people really thought about the town and I feel like, you know, this is the most sincere response I could possibly get. It's really common in Hershey for people to have grown up here. They may leave, you know, to go to college or stay away for a few years in their 20s, but once they start having families, they seem to come back and, you know, because they want their children to have the same kinds of experiences that they did growing up. Today, the Hershey Company employs 2,200 people out of the roughly 14,000 residents. That's about 15% of the population. Back when Milton Hershey was alive, most of the residents in Hershey worked for the Hershey Company. This was true until probably the mid-1960s. Nowadays, most people in Hershey are actually employed at the local med center. In 1963, Milton Hershey School Trust Fund was able to provide $50 million to Penn State University in order for the university to build a teaching hospital and medical school here in, in Pennsylvania, and here in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Today, they are the major employer. Well, the Hershey Company employs about 2,200 people in this area. The Med Center employs over 9,000 people. So of his huge legacy, what was Milton Hershey most proud of? He was definitely always most proud of Milton Hershey School. He and his wife were unable to have children of their own, and the school was a response to that. After they you know, accepted the fact that they weren't going to have children, they wanted to find something to do with the money, and that was their response. Hershey and his wife, Catherine, established the Hershey Industrial School, a school for orphan boys. Today, it's called the Milton Hershey School, and it is open to both boys and girls. The school cares for and educates impoverished children. He himself always said that, you know, this was his most important legacy. Thanks to Milton Hershey, the school is very well funded. During World War I, he put a large part of his personal wealth into the school trust. His original funding has grown into over $6 billion. As well as the dividends from the Hershey Company stock, which provides a significant portion of the school's income, the school trust also has 100% ownership of the Hershey Entertainment and Resorts Company. He was a quite a remarkable man, and really he believed that the value of money was the good that he, he, he could do for others. 
he didn't really spend it on himself. He used his money to make the town an attractive and livable place. Hey, Factory, we've got food buff mail. Sheldon from Toronto wrote in to say, Heard your podcast on milk in cartons, and yet I never heard of the wonder of milk in bags. I realize they're not in the U.S., but in most of Canada, they certainly are the way to go. And they made a big difference to me. I would be sent to bike up the hill to buy milk. It came in a four-quart glass jug. It was heavy. And every once in a while, it would break. So I'd take what was left of the jug back to the store, the plastic handle, and they would give me a free replacement. Milk in bags was so much better. So have you ever used milk from a bag before? I didn't even know that was a thing. Right? I actually, I've heard that it's a Canadian thing, but not in Western Canada. Yeah, least. maybe it's an Eastern Canada thing because I've literally never seen it in my life. Yeah, I only ever experienced it when I went to Montreal and I was shocked. Weird. Yeah, I've never seen it before. Yeah. It makes sense, though. So correct us if we're wrong about milk and bags only being an Eastern Canada thing. Well, well, let's not say Eastern Canada. Let's say anywhere east of BC. Okay. <laughs> Please write into us at feedback at foodnonfiction.com about your experiences with milk and bags. All right, food buffs, we might have some new listeners. Our last episode with Temple Grandin, which I'm still geeking out about, was recently featured by iTunes. And so we should have a number of new people that are just joining us. So welcome to all the new food buffs. We have a Facebook page. So if you want to come onto the Facebook page, we post a lot of cool tidbits and pictures there. It is facebook.com slash food nonfiction and we also have twitter which is at food nonfiction that's our handle so feel free to follow us we'd love to hear from you and if you get a chance please subscribe to us on itunes and if you have more time please rate us on itunes because it helps us with our rankings mm -hmm. so subscribing to the podcast and rating the podcast those are two of the most important things you can do if you want to support food nonfiction. Which, as a reminder, is just two ladies in a living room. We're just some friends that uh, met in our neuroscience class and have a mutual love of food that we hope to share with all of you, our food buffs. So talk to you next week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.